Greetings, boils and ghouls. This is your comrade, the Crypt Keeper here, reporting dead from the sanctuary of the strange. Tonight's macabre myth is a fright-filled feature, one overflowing with monsters, madness, and magic. <laughs> Welcome to the Monsters, Madness, and Magic podcast. I'm Justin, not joined by any co-host today in this evening. Well, afternoon, we're joined by a very special guest, founder, guitarist, and brutally terrifying voice of the Mighty Incantation, one of the forefathers of death fucking metal, Mr. John McEntee. John, how the hell are you? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me. Hell fucking yeah. Let's oh, kill yeah, it. man. It's a pleasure. So let's just get started at the beginning. John, uh, take us back in time. What sort of okay. music, movies, books, etc., and such were you consuming as a kid? Uh, what were you into? But, well, I mean, when I was, you know, what probably around earliest I remember is being around five, six years old. And I just was really, I mean, I got into, I remember Kiss around that time, maybe six i can't remember you know i really liked the just you know the imagery of it plus i was always a fan of like just the heavy guitar and stuff like that like anything that had like kind of a crunch to it you know at that time that i heard i didn't get into stuff like black Sabbath and stuff till a little bit later but you know kiss was out there enough for me to kind of hear and, and i just you know would be into other like rock songs that i heard it, w- it wasn't anything in particular but as far as music though that's probably like the beginning i also re- remember really liking the guitar riff and hot-blooded by foreigner you know like at that time i was just like yeah it's fucking guitar is so freaking heavy you know so um that and um you know i i remember really getting into like brian may from queen hearing his you know when queen would go into their heavy parts you know and that guitar solos would come in and stuff like that he just had a bite to it that was just like this is this is really cool, you know, and then, then kind of from there, it, it expanded into heavier and heavier kind of stuff. But as far as like movies and stuff like that, I mean, I was into, you know, a lot of the generic stuff like Star Wars, a lot of TV shows like Buck Rogers and Battlestar Galactica, you know, a lot of space movies, you know, from that time. But I, you know, also like to watch just horror type movies, like stuff they play on TV. I can't even remember what they were, but it was that I, I always forget what it's called, but it's the one that has that hand that comes out of the ground and it just it like that was like the promo of the show that used to be on i can't think of it i I haven't been able to think of it for years but i remember it's gonna bug me to death now yeah i know (laughs) well it's been bothering me for years because i can't i can't remember what the hell it is but it was just like it was like the ground was here and the the hand would just kind of go up and do something and i just remember seeing that because i'd watch that show you know, I mean, I was pretty young. I was somewhere between six and 10, you know, so it's hard for me to remember. And I haven't seen those shows anywhere since then. So it just it never, never got, I never refreshed my memory. Uh, I mean, just a lot of normal stuff I, I was into too, you know, just movies like Condor Man and stuff like that. Like all these, like, there was this one, what the hell was that one called? It was a, um, it was like a kind of like a New York ghetto karate movie i forget but it was like really it was, it was just like it was like some kind of karate movie happening in like you know some a rough ghetto of new york or something Is it a jackie chan movie by chance i i don't think it was jackie chan i'm I thinking rumble in the bronx already <laughs> no no but uh, i can't think of it offhand 
I just, I just, you know, liked a lot of the, you know, a lot of the more, I don't know, kind of edgier for a kid type movie, stuff like that. And then basically once I got to be a little older, you know, I started experimenting with more uh, musically, like more heavy metal stuff, you know, started getting into bands like ACDC. And I, then I, you know, heard like, say by like 1980, 81, 82, was the time when I started getting into yeah, ACDC, um, you know, Black Sabbath, and the started just started hearing stuff like Iron Maiden for the first time, Judas Priest, all those bands, and really was into that that vibe. I mean, it was a mixture between liking the just the strong imagery of those bands, and also just liking the fact that the music was also very strong and very powerful. It was it was it just at that time I couldn't comprehend why why listen to music if if it isn't fucking heavy you know or at least trying to be heavy like i i used to have this weird way of looking at it like i don't like does a band like say let's let's just try to write a wimpy song you know i mean (laughs) you know no you know i always i always look at it like you know let's try to write a heavy song or a a aggressive song or a brutal song but you know i i realize now that okay it's just a different way of looking at it like they don't go into like hey i want this to sound really weak and really wimpy no it's just you know but at that time i didn't quite understand i was i was very primitive in in the way i looked at it but i just know like when i heard albums like back in black or phil's about to rock those were heavy albums at that time you know and then once it started getting into stuff like black sabbath it was like holy crap you know and that that stuff just really connected with me you know also deep purple was a uh, another one mm. that I got into, uh, not until around 80, somewhere between 80 and 83, 84, just that, that whole kind of heavy, dark, powerful vibe, you know, was something I was into really into. And yeah, as far as like movie stuff goes, you know, in the eighties, you know, I, I started to get into a lot of those horror movies of the eighties, you know, I mean, I, I didn't have massive amount of exposure to it, but we did have a local video store that would be close to where my aunt lived. And I I kind of would go to my aunt's house when I was early teens or whatever, as you know, if my parents wanted to go out or something and they didn't want to leave me home alone, I'd go to my aunt's house. And there, there used to be, you know, the, the video store had, it was kind of cool because it had like metal shows. Like they had Judas Priest live and Ozzy live and, um, like Rush Live, just assorted things at that time that was really cool. But then they also had, you know, a horror section, you know, and I would pick something just just based on the cover or something kind of cool or whatever. Same as an yeah. album, you know, the cover goes a long way. Yeah, exactly, yeah. you know. So I kind of just, you know, it was more just, it wasn't even like I'm thinking like, yeah, I'm a real horror dude. No, it's just like it was a cool movie to check out, you know. you want I, I don't want to watch a love story. I want to watch, you know, somebody being killed or some kind of action thing or exactly. something like that. So basically, yeah, I mean, uh, into the, you know, generic horror movies, I guess you'd say, you know, the Friday 13 stuff mm-hmm. like that early on. But then w- once I started like meeting more people and really connecting with the metal world, getting more into say speed metal that time or, or thrash and stuff like that, I started meeting other people that were really into horror movies more than I was. And like, especially uh, when I first started like hanging out with uh, Henry from Revenant he he introduced me to like Evil Dead and you know uh, Hellraiser and stuff like that you know and just I really started getting into that I mean for me like Evil Dead is one of the uh, the greats the first one is is I mean I like all of them but the first one really when I watched that the first time it, it totally crushed my um, <laughs> brain you know I couldn't believe how brutal it was and you know it was pretty scary even though you wouldn't think so because you, you watch it now in high def and it's like you could tell it's all yeah. claymation and whatever you know but 
you know, watching that on an old videotape, probably like, you know, either a crappy one that you get from the video store, which is played a million times or like a, mm-hmm. a bad dub of it. And just that whole way the screen looks and, you know, everything's kind of grainy and you're just watching it through there. It brings out like so much more. It's really weird because you would think high definition's better, but for those movies, it's like the lower definitions is better. It's like weird. Like I, I've watched Evil Dead recently, like a, you know, like a 4K version of it. And, you know, it just it just looks more comical now because all the makeup, you could see all the makeup on Bruce Campbell's face and stuff like that, you know. And in the original one, it just looked like he was all bruised up and whatever. Yeah, you know, probably by the mid mid to late 80s when I really started getting into stuff like Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And it's just, I just, I, I there was something about those movies that I just liked. I liked the way they just came across as so creepy, you know, with mm-hmm. it, especially on VHS, you know, watching on VHS, there's just something really creepy about it. And it's not that it, you know, I mean, I watch them now and I'll, I'll watch them on either Shutter or Netflix or whatever, and it, it's fine, you know, but it's like, it just doesn't, it's not the same as putting in a videotape and watching it no. on a grainy video. It just dip because those were made for that medium, you know, it's like, right movies now are made for the current medium and it works some of the time or whatever but those ones it was great because they had the vision they knew how it was going to look on on screen so they were able to film this stuff in a certain way and to me that's creepiness you know of the movie and the thing that's great it's the same thing with to me with movies and with music it was like this pre-digital age of recording just made things extra special. There's just something, there's something special about a movie, you know, watching it recorded and put on your actual tape film and the same thing with music, re-record to actual tape. There's just something about it that just, no matter how great digital is and how amazing it is, because there's, there's amazing things about digital, but there's, it's just not the same. It just never, it never sounds the same. I mean, those early, those early albums that I recorded or the early albums that I like from bands, you know, they're, they're, there's something magical about those recordings. because there's just something real about them. And it's almost like the same feeling with the old horror movies or something. It just seemed more real to watch it through a VHS tape on your TV right. in a dark room. And you're just fucking scared to shit, shitless watching. <laughs> and the same thing, you know, listening to a record back then, you know, just sitting back, listening to the vinyl right in front of your stereo and hearing the, the record pops and just he- hearing the real, the realism of it. It just, it just, I don't know. There's something about it that was just magical. And I know it has something to do with my nostalgia, you mm-hmm. know, too, because that's what I remember. And that's the way I've experienced this stuff early on. But it really is a, to me, it's a, it's a special thing. And I, like I said, even though I, I've, you know, I've listened to albums that have gotten, you know, say remixed currently and movies that have gotten, you know, remastered and stuff like that. And it's good, but it's, it's like I don't know what it is, but it's almost like the soul gets lifted, lifted out of it, or something like that. Like it gets, it, it's technically good. It's technically, technically, you can't complain about anything, but personality-wise, something gets lost in there. It's, it's a really a sad thing, you know. Yeah, I was listening to a vocal coach the other day, and he was saying something similar to you that he was listening to a student who was technically perfect, and the song was written beautifully. But he says, "You sound great, and I'm impressed, but I'm not moved." 
I yeah. need you to move me. And that's kind of like what you're touching on. And I'd agree with that. To your point with Texas Chainsaw Massacre, I think the way it's recorded and shot and almost that documentary style, that just adds to the creepiness. It's almost a found footage on VHS, kind of, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's just amazing. I mean, it's one of those movies, too. Every time I watch it, it's really enjoyable. It's really like, can't watch it too many times. And I always feel like, I don't know, there's something new about it or just something, something I, I realized from it that I might not have realized before because because maybe my attention got taken away by something happening. And it's just different because a lot, a lot of a lot of movies don't do that necessarily. You know, a lot of movies just don't have that. I mean, there's a lot of great movies I love watching over and over again. But the fact of the matter is, is that there's certain ones, you know, like for me, it's Texas Chainsaw Massacre, The Exorcist, Evil Dead. The first couple omens are great, you know. Like, I just really like those movies, and I can I seem I mean I can watch them numerous times, and I seem to either always get something else out of it, or just enjoyable, or just enjoyable ones to watch. I mean, I remember as a kid watching the omens because they had them at the video store. I, I don't remember which ones they were, but I remember it just was something about those were just fucking killer. I mean, just <laughs> wa- watching watching the um, maid just hang herself in front of everybody out there. You know, the, all those things are just fucking cool as fuck. You know? Yeah, that's and, great. <laughs> were you uh did you get into the Stuart gordon back then any of those lovecraftian adaptions he did back in the 80s really i you know a lot of stuff in the 80s that i got into was more just the generic stuff that i could find gotcha. at the video store and stuff like that you know a lot of that stuff i have i didn't really get into a lot say of the we'll say deeper cuts or more like even the Fauci and stuff like that until later, much, much later, actually, you know, like I kind of was like in my little, uh, my little bubble <laughs> for a, a while of just really enjoying the ones I, I, you know, I liked. Also, another one I really liked too was Aliens. I mean, the Aliens series, I think is just oh, phenomenal. Yeah. It's one of the best um, sequels, period, you know, just. Yeah. 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 It's, it's so, it's so great. And I think it was ahead of its time for sure. That movie, when it came out too, that one always freaks me out, you know? <laughs> Right. Yeah. So was your buddy and Revenant, that was your introduction to Evil Dead. Yeah. What was ultimately the catalyst for you wanting to start your own band from that point? Well, it was one of those things where Revenant was kind of at a crossroads in the band at the time. And I was just full of piss and vinegar at the time. Like I just wanted to, you know, everything, everything in my life was focused towards playing music, you know, was really the, the main goal for anything that was going to happen. And I just wanted, I wanted to push forward. And I started to like, I learned from Revenant how to construct songs and really uh, bit my teeth on, you know, playing out live and just coming into myself. But once at a certain point, I just started to feel like I wasn't able to express my, my vision a hundred percent. Like it was just like maybe Henry, the main guy in the band, vision was a little bit different than mine. And then we had kind of a, a situation where we didn't have a drummer for a while. And there was just personal issues going on in Henry's life. And it just seemed like the right time for me to move forward musically and just, I guess, put my money where my mouth was mouth is, you know, where you just, I, I want to do something a little bit heavier than what we were doing at the moment. I like, I wanted to find, I wanted my sound to be more defined as a death metal type sound. And with Revenant, we were part death metal, but we were really more of a smorgasbord of everything we liked. Like we were real hardcore. There was a, a thrash metal vibe to it, you know, death metal vibe to it. 
even maybe a grindcore vibe to it to some extent. Like it was just a mixture. And I finally kind of realized that I really want to go in a more death metal way. I wanted to kind of go in that, you know, kind of necrophagia, necrophagia, necrovore, possessed, just that more darker death metal thing, you know? And I just, it was a tough decision because I, I put so much work into Revenant, you know, and at the moment it sounded like, you know, there was no, it was a better chance of me doing like a record or something with Revenant than to start a whole new band. But spoke with um, Russ from Immolation at, at the time. And, you know, I was telling him my dilemma and he's just like, dude, just do what you want to do. You know, don't worry about it. You know, if you want to, you know, he's like, you could do it. If you want to do your own thing, you know, do your own thing, you know, and it, and it was really the right thing to do because there was starting to get a little bit of conflict between myself and the other guys in Revenant just because, you know, I, I want to do something a little different. And out of the best, it was like the best thing for Revenant at the time and his best thing for me to move on and do our own thing and it was really great because once i started jamming with paul ledney it's like i, I felt uh, it, it sounds terrible to, for, for the revenant stuff but i felt really liberated as a songwriter because he he had that same kind of vibe like he wasn't the greatest drummer in the world but you know we played the stuff it sounded more death metal it reminded me of possessed you know, like uh, Mike from Possessed on drums, you know, it was, he's better than Mike from Possessed on drums, but he was kind of, it kind of just had that, that really, you know, drum thing going on and just super, super badass, you know? So it just clicked with me. And then that was kind of like what spawned me into, you know, doing things, doing things like creating my own identity. That was like when I really came into my, who I am as a songwriter and a guitar player. When I found Incantation myself, just the main aspect that stuck out to you, you guys was how original the sound was to me i had never of course i was looking for death metal but as i'm listening to it i'm like yeah this is death metal this is a little bit more i guess what i'm asking is what was your inspiration for going the, with the more doomy approach to death metal than others were we always considered ourselves you know a, a death metal band but at the same time we're not just like any other death metal band but we're 100 pure death metal it there was a weird thing at least early on which actually kind of bothered me about the scene is that there was so many bands were going for this bigger slick sound, like in a Morris sound type thing or whatever, not, not slag and Morris sound because I mean, there people were going there wanting these albums to sound like that. You know, they're just doing their job there, but we had a, a vision where we wanted to be, you know, we wanted to take all that darkness, all that roughness from the eighties that we were into you know like i said we were really into what's called necrophagia you know early morbid angel you know possess celtic frost all the stuff we wanted to use all those influences you know in incantation and we also especially for our first time we wanted our album to really be us not be just another death metal on that came came out we wanted to define it as us we didn't know at the time that it would become you know, such a define say defining album in death metal. But we wanted to do something like what Seven Churches did for Possessed. It was like before Seven Churches, there's there's like before Seven Churches and after Seven Churches for for death metal, you know, or for thrash or however whatever you, whatever you want to call it. But that was a defining moment in in uh, thrash and death metal that album. And we want to do kind of something the same. Not that we were so arrogant thinking that we would do it, but that was our goal was we wanted to define our, ourselves and say, we're not following the rules, the rules that were starting to come out by a lot of the earache and roadrunner bands. We want to do it our way. We wanted it to be ourselves. And if we were going to fail, we're going to fail on our own sword. You know, we're going to fall on our own sword. We're not going to, I don't, we don't want to fail being fake. We originally wanted to add a doom aspect to the band. It just, it took a little while for us to feel a hundred percent comfortable 
adding that stuff to it just because it's it's actually more difficult. It was more difficult for me to write Doom stuff at that time because I was just used to writing faster stuff. And I would add little Doom parts here and there to, to the songs as they were good accents. Like, especially if you listen to the first album, there'll be some good mid-tempos. It'll be Doomy stuff. But besides maybe oh, Christening the Afterbirth and Ronic Spiritual Embodiment, most of the uh, Onward to Go Goth albums probably on the quicker side of it, even though, there were, like I said, there are Doom parts to it. But that was, those were just learning, like, how to incorporate that stuff. And then at a certain point, we were got to, we were able to really incorporate it better. For years, we've been able to mix having that total agonizing Doom mix in with our, you know, faster, darker stuff. And it just, it all seems to color, become a proper thing. It just works together as a as a unit for some reason a, a lot of bands especially in early times didn't really go that route it was like you were either supposed to be a doom doom band or a death metal band and i never understood that because we were fans of both death and doom i mean i i love black sabbath trouble candle mass stuff like that you know early paradise lost especially like their demo stuff was really great and you know we were really influenced by that stuff and we figured with this, we don't have to follow no freaking rules, you know. Who's to say that death metal is a speed? It's not. It's a vibe, you know. It's just like you say, like, I mean, it would be like creating a movie, you know. You don't just have one. Movies could have different things in it that make the whole movie work together. And the same thing with a song. It's all, it just depends on if you're able to make those transitions work properly you know it's something that is not everybody is good at i mean i hear a lot of bands that try to do it and to me it sounds a, a little awkward sometimes because there, there needs to be things need to mean something you know it's not just right. about we don't necessarily choose the speed of the song we write the music we get the vibe what we want what we want to happen and we just let it let it happen. Let the fucking song be the fucking song, you know? And when we would get together as a band, it just molds into it. And, you know, sometimes we'll just do whatever we need to. It's everybody really, you know, especially now we're at a point where we're really great at expressing ourselves early on. You know, you're learning how to do it, but did great stuff early on. It's pretty, pretty fortunate that I, I had enough experience because I mean, Revenant, I know I'm bouncing all over things. Revenant really got me ready for incantation for sure. I mean, I basically, I, I worked a lot on song structures on Revenant, understanding how songs, you know, making songs good. I mean, we wrote some great stuff for Revenant, I think, but they just weren't 100% mature. They needed to be worked out a little more. And by the time I got, say, a year or so into incantation, I started to really pay attention to the structure of the songs. And then once we were doing albums, I was like, well, okay, let's look at this whole album as a whole a whole piece how do all these songs interact with each other and how like the order of the songs is like super important you know and i think a lot of a lot of people don't look at every aspect of it but that's part of my insanity it's like a mad scientist kind of thing of being a musician is that i just love the process of writing music trying to make things link together trying to find ways to make the overall coherency of an album make sense i mean i, I know with like Kyle and myself, we both we we love just debating on what parts work good together and what songs maybe work in what order and stuff like that. Like that's part of the whole uh, the whole fun of being in a band is like it's almost like putting a puzzle together. And then it's crazy because put so much work into it, then you finally put the album out and you listen back to it and you're like 
fuck, somehow that works. And it, it almost sounds effortlessly. And it's like, I'm thinking to myself, it wasn't effortlessly. <laughs> like, this, like this, like I stressed the fuck out for like, you know, months trying to worry about like the order of the album, you know, like it's funny because we'll just listen to it and be like, ah, just it's not flowing right. And just, you know, switch this around, that around. And uh, it's, it's, it's insane, but it's also enjoyable because for me, I mean, it's great to play live. I love doing that part, but I also just love creating music. I love trying to, trying to take a feeling and turning it, turning it into music. You know, it's really an, an amazing, amazing, fun thing. So you just mentioned feel uh, turning a feeling into music. Is that what you normally do when you go to write a song or do you ever pull from other things, maybe like a painting or, you know, maybe a book or something like that? Well, most of the stuff comes from feeling like I just will think like this. This is the thing is when I when I joined, well, when I started Incantation with Paul Ledney, he used to just come up with riff ideas out of his head and just he used to just hum it to me, you know, and then I would try to write to what he's humming and a light bulb came off in my head and be like, wow, that's a way better way of writing than before. I would just play the guitar and, just, you know, try to come up with stuff and just, you know, hopefully some pattern made sense and I, I do use it as a song. But then I started real, really thinking about it. I'm like, wow, it's so much better to think about what the fuck the song's supposed to be ahead of time and figure out a way to achieve that. And so, yeah, a lot of it really comes from my imagination, but my imagination gets stimulated from different things. I mean, it could be anything from like, sometimes I could watch a show and it has it, it's not like I'll, I'll watch a band play and they'll be kick ass and it'll just inspire me. It doesn't inspire me to be like them because a lot of times it's not stuff that I would want to be like necessarily, but I just, there's something about watching magic and greatness happening in front of me where it just makes me start to think about, oh, really, I really want to write something, you know, and then it just ideas start kind of coming to my head or, yeah, I mean, it could be really from anything. I mean, you know, there's been certain movies where I just would like really get inspired by from watching and just like some some part in the movie would just like sometimes the way a visual and audio work together, it just clicks something in my brain and I just make like a mental note of it. Like that's a really cool, cool idea because the thing that's interesting about visual arts, which, I, which I'm not good at uh, expressing, but to watch like sounds work with visual art is interesting to me because I'm more, I'm, I'm more of a, a audio person, I guess, because I write music. So, I, but I, when I watch something makes sense to what the audio is happening i find that as very interesting mm -hmm. and it sometimes inspires me to want to express that kind of feeling if i relate to it somehow in the music that i'm writing or something like that i mean as, as far as reading early on reading probably inspired me a little bit but these days i don't read for shit anymore so it wouldn't be the the um the good <laughs> reference point but it, i mean say a painting painting could to inspire me it's one of those things it's the weirdest thing but it'll just be i'll be somewhere and all of a sudden something will inspire me it, it could be something totally unrelated to something evil or whatever it could just be like something some i don't know whatever you know sometimes even just having good meal or something you know it just inspires me it just it, it's this is a weird thing. It's it's really difficult to explain, you know, because it just kind of happens. It, it's it's annoying to some extent because sometimes it's not in a, a, a 
comfortable place to pick up a guitar and play or while I was out. Like a lot of a lot of times when I was working more day jobs and stuff, um, it would really be a distraction at work because I'd be just thinking about music riffs and I'd be trying to like remember a fucking pattern that just means something somehow to me while I'm trying to do something else. And it just it just drives you up a fucking wall, you know? Right. <laughs> <laughs> John, take us back in time to the first Incantation live show. Did it go off without any hiccups? Do you, you recall that night much? Well, the first show we've actually played was it was at Cheers in Nyack, New York. I think it was in, I can't remember, but it was in Nyack, New York. And it was basically a jam night. It was just, I remember, if I remember correctly, one of the mortician guys, this is before I, I jammed with mortician, one of the mortician guys, maybe Matt or Will, I, I don't remember, contacted me and asked me if he wanted to do a show at Cheers. And I found out it was, you know, yeah, it was, he says, you don't need to bring any gear or whatever, just bring your guitars and stuff, but no amps or nothing, you know, because they have it there because it's basically an open mic night. Yeah, so us and mortician and like, I don't know, maybe 20, 30 of our friends, maybe 40 of us, I can't remember now, but show up to a, basically a jam night. You know, this is a jam night where they're playing like 8675309 or something like that <laughs> covers, you know? And, you know, so we just basically walk in and there's like, you know, they were kind of surprised. Well, you know, what are you guys doing? It's like, well, it's open mic night, right? So we're going we're gonna, to... We're going to sit up and play, you know? Yeah, it was, it was fucking funny. We had this little, this little, like, must have been a four-piece pink drum kit, you know, that Paul Lenny was playing. And luckily, they had two amps there for us to use. But they were, like, little, little freaking amps or whatever, not any stacks or any uh, cabinets that we were used to playing. And we had, basically, we just went up there and just fucking played. And they, and they at first, they, I don't think they wanted us to play. There's, like trying to shut us down from playing, but we had like somewhere between 20 and 40 kids with us, not kids, but they were old enough to drink. So yeah. people were buying stuff at the bar like crazy. So they're like, okay, fuck it. You know, I'll let you guys play and stuff. Yeah. I mean, I think Mortician played first. It was just, it just, this open mic night turned into like a fucking death metal club, you know, smalls. <laughs> and it was just insane. And it was, it was really, really great. I mean, I remember Mortician had some problems at that show and i think that's why they got rid of their guitar player I, I don't remember exactly but i remember i think one of them was like really really high or something like that and like <laughs> fucked up or something like that and after that show they're kicked out and that's that's when they asked me to, to play with them for a little while our show actually worked out pretty good we only had profanation and holy massacre and we played a hellhammer cover third of the storms but it was it was a lot of fun and it was just you know, it was the only show we played with that lineup, but it was definitely a, a fun experience. And it was just like a great thing to just be able to say, fuck it. You know, we're just going to go play this open mic night. You know, it wasn't like, you know, some huge venue or, or lots of amps and stacks. It was just like totally underground. Just go there and just fucking do it. And that's that's a great thing about that time was that it was just like, just fuck it. Just let's make something fucking happen because venues didn't, you know, didn't want to book bands like incantation mortician or even immolation like at that time it was just like who the fuck are you guys you know what you playing this fucking crazy ass music i mean this is 1990 this was january 1990 so it wasn't like death metal was established at all you know right so but it was a fun it was a really fun experience i have great memories of that show it was a lot of fun oh while we're on the subject of live shows in your opinion we're getting close to the world reopening here how's the metal show going to look going forward post covid post vaccinations in your opinion 
I don't know. I know I'm, I'm definitely excited to get out on the road and the tour for the Sect of All Divinities album because, I mean, the album did so well for us when it came out. I mean, it still is doing great. And it just we're used to touring right, right after the album, you know. So, of course, you want to get out and play some of those songs live and, of course, play old stuff too it's it's a lot of fun but as far as what it's going to be like it's hard to say i mean i think people are going to be excited to go to shows but i also think there's going to be like an overabundance of shows too because everyone's chomping at the bit to get out and stuff so i think some of the smaller tours might be hurting a little more and some of the bigger tours will probably do really well you know so i mean uh you know, for us, we're trying our best to try to organize some touring that's going to be interesting or good enough for people to want to come out and see. But I, I think people will be pretty excited to um, get out to shows again. I mean, it's been a freaking long time. And I mean, this has been probably probably the longest we've ever went without playing a show, I think. Usually we have something within a year, you know, like one, even a, right. a couple of years were a little bit slow, but we still had like I don't know, five, six shows in the year or something, you know? It's been good to have the downtime too because I've been working a lot on music and I've been been able to do a lot of archiving too yeah. of stuff because I'm never home enough to go through all the stuff, you know? I, mean, I, have, I have flyers and just other, you know, photos from whenever, you know? It's nice to kind of organize some of that stuff, you know? Time to reflect. But now- yeah, to reflect yeah. the time, you know? Yeah. <laughs> So you've been doing this for over 30 years, man. I guess what I'm asking is what have you learned as a businessman and navigating labels and such? What would you say to 20-year-old John about what you know now? What I would tell 20-year-old John now, I would tell myself, I would just tell myself not to be so trusting. (laughs) One of my biggest downfalls is that I'm just really, I really just, especially early on, I was ignorant to how much of scumbags people could be. I mean, I knew people were scumbags, but I thought that people in our own camp where it would be I, I you have this it's almost like a fantasy you have early on in the band where you think everyone's going to stick with you to the end and we're going to fight the world together as a band and these are your brothers and they're you know it's just everything's going to go great or whatever and then everything just goes exactly opposite of what you think it's going to go and you're just not prepared for it and mentally um you're not prepared for it and you know business wise you're not prepared for it and it's really it's really a sad realization that you get uh, as a young musician trends change too you know and you have to deal with that kind of stuff you just i knew that what i was doing was honest to myself and you know i i honestly i i honestly with every bone in my body thought that once we got the band together especially for the onward go gotham lineup that you know these four people are all going to be with be by my side forever and that we would conquer the world together and it would be if life sucked life sucked together or life would be great together and then people just have different ideas or when you're young you don't you, you don't understand you don't like you don't understand like why why you know why don't you want to do everything the way i think is great you know but when you're older you, you realize okay people have different ideas just because you start off with say a basic idea is the same all of a sudden this person wants to veer off in this direction or this person doesn't want to do the band quite as serious or whatever, you know, or it's not enjoyable for this person anymore or whatever, you know, there's, there's, there's like a million reasons, but I was focused like a laser on like, you know, the band and making my vision come to reality that I didn't, I didn't realize that maybe my vision and my, the way I look at things isn't a hundred percent the way other people look at things. And then, you know, after a while, 
it takes you it takes a while to find people that could work you could work together and understand just just have a, the proper working relationship with it takes a long time to find that and you need to be able to find people that are able to take the negative criticism in a non-personal way because a lot of musicians are very sensitive about their art and stuff like that and like the way we are now as a band if someone you know we at practice and someone that really doesn't like something or thinks something sucks people just say i think this sucks you know and we don't sit around and cry about it or bitch about how much of an asshole you are it's like okay you know if, if you think it sucks let's try to find a way to make it not suck or show me like it, it's it's nice when people say it sucks but i don't know i don't know why or how but it, you know if someone says it's gonna suck it's like okay find a way and not make it suck you know Let, let's see what you have in you and, and it's a good it's almost a good uh constructive criticism and a lot of times it works out for the best i mean there's a lot there's, uh, there's ideas even now in the band i don't always 100 percent agree with what say kyle uh, wants to do on an album or the way something is done on the album but you know i listen to we listen to each other and we try to come up with a a medium for all of us to be happy with it you know and mm-hmm. it works out in the long run and a lot of times the idea that maybe kyle thought that wasn't a good idea that I thought was a good idea. And we we end up saying, okay, we'll go with my idea. He'll end up liking it or vice versa. You know, he'll come up with something and I'll be like, "Eh, I don't know about this. But then like a few months later on, I'll listen back to him be like, fuck, that's killer. So, but we, you know, we have that, you know, we're able to not be oversensitive. We try not to let our artistic being sensitive artist or whatever interfere with the fact of everybody. We know everyone's fighting for the same goal, you know, but it just, as, as, as getting back to the original question, as far as young me, mostly just maybe don't let your ambition. Sometimes my ambition to want to do the best I can on something interferes with my better judgment on working with other people or yeah, I can be pushy about it, you know, Gotcha. and it's, it's a problem that I have and something that I've noticed now It's some, I mean, back then I didn't, I, I couldn't comprehend it, but there was a point in my life when you start to realize that you can't, you can't force something to happen. You can't force somebody to do something they just don't want to do, or people don't want to feel like they're being pushed to do it. They want to do it because they want to do it, you know? And I, I didn't know right. that back then. <laughs> I, it was my ignorance and my uh, immaturity to uh, just, you know, my, it was like the same thing that helped get us successful is the fact that I'm pushy as fuck also broke a lot of lineups up because I was pushy as fuck. Like the same reason why, like everyone's like, okay, cool. Let's jam with you. Cause you're, you know, you're really going places. But then the reason why you're going places, same reason why it breaks up. <laughs> Double-edged sword. <laughs> yeah. It's a bummer, but it happens, you know? That's well said, man. And I, I haven't said this yet, but for my money, you've got the most gnarly vocals in all of extreme metal. Uh, I guess we'll I appreciate that. that. It's 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 awesome to hear that because I was really apprehensive about doing vocals and it took me quite a long time to be able to listen back to a take of my vocals and be like, okay, that's good. Like for a while, I would just be like, I can't even listen to this. Just, just turn this off. I want to wow. get, I was so uncomfortable with it, you know, because I just didn't think that they were, um, I, I expected more from myself, you know, but to be honest with you, and it's good that I have this confidence now. Now I know for the most part, I'm able to conquer what I want to vocally. And I do it now with confidence, which right. is a great, you know, it's a great thing to have that as any you know musician or just a person in general to have that confidence. You know, it's, it's like, 
to do vocals live or or an album you just need to you need to go in there and be like i'm gonna kill it you know you can't be like i hope it's gonna be okay you know i hope it doesn't totally suck you know i hope it just sucks a little bit you know but now it's like when i before i walk on stage i walk on stage with you know the cockiness that you need of being like i'm, I'm here to kick everyone's fucking ass i'm not here to suck on vocals i'm here to just make everyone <laughs> you know the sickest you know darkest thing they've ever felt in their life you know but you need that as if, if you're not if you're not confident enough that you're able to kick ass or or do it at a, a really strong, powerful level, you shouldn't be there doing it, you know, at least, mm-hmm. you know, the way I look at it, if I'm going out there, I'm giving it my all, even when I fucking was sucking I, and I didn't feel confident about it, I always would just do my best. It's just like, fuck it. I know, I know I'm not as good as I want to be, but I'm doing the fucking best I can. And you know what? If people don't like me doing my best, they can fuck off. Well said. And I can tell that I can tell everyone that's listening, if they have not seen an incantation as someone who has seen an incantation, definitely walk on stage with that presence. (laughs) (laughs) I saw you guys before the, uh, all this COVID stuff broke out and just outside of Atlanta, you guys were playing with Belfagor and Uh Heat. Yeah, I was yeah. at that show, and that was... We actually had... I bothered you after you got off for a picture together, but I know you don't. Yeah. Know. <laughs> I, I, I remember I remember uh, hanging out a lot by the merch booth and stuff, and yep. there's a bunch of people I remember chatting with and stuff over there. It was re- yep. really a lot of fun. But yeah, I mean, it was, just, it was a great... That was a great tour. I mean, the bands were great. It just was... It was awesome just to... I mean, the Morbid Angel, Watane, and us. It was just... I just felt like it was a strong package. It was just... It's one of those tours where the it just felt like, you know, three bands just really, you know, trying to make a, a death metal, a black metal kind of statement, just something really dark, you know? Right. You know, we made we made a lot of good friends. I mean, I knew, uh, you know, Morbid Angel, Morbid Angel Watane, but some of the some of the guys, you know, jamming with Watane, I didn't know. And some of the newer Morbid Angel guys I didn't know. And they, they were all really, really cool. And just the vibe was great, you know? I mean, I just know when we, on that tour, I just felt the power of fucking metal, you know? I was just mm-hmm. like... And people just seem like they're ready, ready to get their fucking, you know, heads crushed, you know. And I was like, <laughs> "That's what we're here. We're here to kill some fucking posers," you know. <laughs> so, like I said, you got some of the best vocals. Do you do any sort of exercises to keep yourself from not uh, blowing your throat out or drinking any teas or anything like that? Well, I mean, I do try to just drink some like lemon tea or something like that. You know, it helps out or even like if they have backstage, they have lemons and ginger and stuff like that. That all kind of helps a little bit on tour. But honestly, the biggest thing is just getting a good night's sleep and getting the voice to recover because the voice, you know, voice is the instrument, you know, and it's like if I party too much after the show and don't get enough sleep, I do feel a strain on my voice the next day and I just doing the show is too important to me where I want to make sure that it's it's well rested. And that's really the main thing as far as like for playing. I, I don't do any real vocal lessons kind of stuff. I just kind of sometimes do a few growls just to kind of get the grunt off it. Because when you're doing it on tour, you're doing it every day, just doing it every day, it builds up and it's just probably by, I don't know, five, six shows in, it's, it really comes into um, itself and just, it just sounds, it just sounds really heavy and powerful. I mean, it's good in the beginning, but you know, it's still on a tour, just in general, the first couple days always is, is rough, just performance wise and like music part and vocal wise, everything is always a little bit rough on the first couple of shows. It's just the natural way of uh, touring. But once you get like that five or six shows in and everything, get your body gets used to like the routine of everything. It just sounds killer. I mean, it sounds better 
than um even the first couple and and but that tour was like pretty much it was pretty pretty fucking amazing i mean it sucks that it was you know pretty much right before the pandemic and everything stopped but it was just a great way to kind of make a a, a killer statement right yeah. before such a, a crazy year you know of uh, no shows yeah that's the last show memory i have so it's a great memory uh, it was a great it was a great tour i i'm so thankful we got to do that and it and we definitely made some friends for life like i said i knew watain well before that but we shared a bus with them and really got to be uh, good friends with those guys and it was just fun because they're a, a little bit younger than me maybe about five ten years maybe i don't know so they they love hearing the old stories of the scene back in the day you know which mm -hmm. is fun you know so it's for me it's just fun to be able to hang out and talk about old school stuff and i'll bring up these like rare rare demos that no one's ever heard of you know i'll try to see if i can find them on youtube somewhere i would play you know send them a link to it be like check out fucking pap smear you know from back in the day or new jersey's hatred or something like that just some <laughs> rare thing you know and they'd be totally into it. so i have fun like just showing off some of the old bands to some people that might not know it and people that, you know like Watt Tanner were really receptive to it so it was really fun you know yeah I bet I bet they were receptive to that <laughs> what's the uh what's the best show you've seen as a fan what would you say uh that's a tough one there was a lot it was diff different times in my life where they meant different things for the first tour I ever seen live was Judas Priest on Defenders of the Faith tour Shit. that blew my fucking mind I, I, seen it that, I, I seen it at madison square garden <laughs> oh shit yeah. and um that was the show where they they cut off the bottom of the seats and threw it on stage and stuff they got banned from madison square garden after that show for life it was an amazing show and i mean i was a huge priest fan at that time and i i remember buying all the albums i listened to them i, I had no clue to what they're gonna play live i listened to every fucking song i want to know all as many lyrics i could figure out as possible because i didn't even have lyric sheets and some of those old like the, the old virgin sad wings of destiny or rock and roll and stuff but anyway i had all those albums i listened to them like crazy i was so ready for the show you know and just to watch it i i remember i couldn't believe seeing those guys they, they started off with the song love bites and they had the big metallion on stage and fire would shoot up from every part of the the four different or five different parts of the, the metallion and a different member would show up each time they went you know they did like the chords in the beginning of the song each chord the fire would shoot up <laughs> and like another one would appear and you know i was like 14 maybe i don't remember so i was like holy fuck i can't <laughs> believe they're fucking you know these people are actually in front of me you know right i mean that was an, an important one but there was you know there's been other ones too i mean when i seen heaven and hell play for the first time i seen them in um canada and i never thought i would see you know basically black sabbath with dio and it it just brought a tear to my eye because it was the dream when i was a teenager to one day i i wish i i just missed it by a couple of years i was just too young to see dl with sabbath you know so right. i remember just i couldn't believe that i'm actually here and i'm actually watching these four death i mean four metal gods in front of me you know performing songs that i never thought in my life i would ever see live you know and it just it just totally blew my mind that stuff sticks with you you know it it does it's 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 a magical experience and for more death metal type shows probably if i have to go with a death metal show probably the first time in 1988 my band revenant played with a morbid angel and immolation in um New Rochelle, New York at this place called Streets. And it was Morbid Angel was so fucking brutal, so evil. 
they were on a mission and to see a band with that much fire perform right in front of us was it blew it blew our minds i mean we basically were like we we all suck we all we, we all suck you know we were not it was like almost like we're not worthy you know yep. it was uh, it was an amazing experience to see that there's there's been multiple shows i mean a lot of those early shows really meant a lot of me i got i was fortunate enough to see carnivore when they were carnivore you know at and um fuck they were fucking amazing too i see, i got to see possessed what was it probably 80 86 I was just talking about this on Rock Fantasy Files, and it was Possessed, and then after Possessed played, Slayer came out. My first time seeing Slayer, and they came out and played three songs on Possessed equipment, uh, all drunk and stuff, you know? But that was a, one of those memorable shows you'll, like, you'll never forget, you know? Right. But there's been a lot of great shows. Uh, I mean, getting to see Death on Scream Bloody Gore was was an amazing experience. I mean, it, I'm very fortunate. You know, I see uh, another great one was Motorhead, Merciful Fate, and Exciter. Oof, yep. That was just like <laughs> that was that was that was uh, Motorhead on No Remorse, Merciful Fate on the Oath, and Exciter was on Violence and Force. And whew, that was one of those moments where I'm, you know, like I I was getting into it heavier stuff but i never went to like a a show that extreme before and it was like life-changing after that i was just like yeah i know i i'm gonna things have to be revved up another level it's like those kind of shows are all in a way like the little pieces that gave me that inspiration to move forward a little more in in aggression it was kind of like judas priest kind of started it with you know i mean I, i i was probably playing at that time but i really like okay let's get serious like you yeah. know, and then to see Motorhead, Merciful Fate, Exciter was like, okay, I re- you know, really got to start playing a little more heavy and darker. And then you see, you know, Possessed and then, you know, Morbid Angel. It's just like, you're like, fuck, you know, each one is like, gives you that little more like, okay, I got to I really, you know, you want to capture that darkness, you know? Exactly. I'm not going to keep you all evening, uh, John. I know that you want to take a rest, a well-deserved rest. So <laughs> it's all, just it's tell all people. Good. What you have on the horizon? Where can folks find you? What's coming up? Basically, as far as band-related stuff, I mean, we're working on a tour we have in Europe in November, so we're really excited about that. As far as it looks like it, it looks like it's actually going to happen, so I'm I'm really happy. And then we're also working on a U.S. tour for, I don't know, it's early spring or something next year, too, so we have that stuff in the works. And as far as music goes, we been taking the pandemic and working on a lot of music. I mean, you know, for me, the the forced break of the pandemic really gave me time to sit down and just like be creative again. I mean, actually before the pandemic, I was already starting because as soon as we finished the, well, actually a little before we finished the final mix for Sect of Isle Divinity, I was already super inspired to write music for the next one. It's just a, a natural thing for me. So when I finished writing it, stuff you know finish doing an album for myself i immediately get inspired because i always find something that i didn't express properly on the album or maybe something that could be expanded upon or just something and it inspires me to want to write afterwards so i started writing before the pandemic but once the pandemic came out we made it super easy to like really focus and get you know a lot of music done and i mean we have 12 or 13 songs for the next album plus another we rehashed two old ones that we never recorded back in 2004 and then we also wrote another three 
so I don't know what is that up to like almost 18 or 19 songs that we have now wow. but, we're, but we're planning on doing I mean we're planning on doing another album but then we're also planning on you know doing another album after that album already you know but we already have the one album and I don't know 50% done I guess but before that album got finished we already started writing stuff for the album after it I don't know it just it just happens you know it, the, the inspiration just comes so we just go with it yeah besides that I'm just I've been also doing the rock fantasy files which is just like kind of a show we just talk about either music we love or yeah, basically music we love and stuff like that. And that's, you know, a lot of fun. It's really easy going. It's not definitely not professional, but it's honest and stuff. So that's really cool. And uh, besides that, I just been trying to really enjoy spending time enjoying life, I guess, you know, I mean, for me, being at home during a pandemic is not terrible because I'm always on a, on tour. So like other people might get go crazy from it. But for me, it's like, fuck, I'm finally home for a while. You know, yeah. I mean, I've gotten to catch up on so many fucking, you know, movies, uh, you know, and stuff like that, that I haven't been able to watch forever, you know, and it's just been uh, awesome, you know, and just focusing more on my home life, which has been super awesome, you know? What's the best movie you've seen on lockdown? Ah, uh, fuck. That's a good question. I don't know. I mean, I, I like some really fucking cheesy, like I, I, I like some really cheesy horror movies, so. Preaching to the I, fire, brother. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, let's see. I mean, I can't, I can't pick my favorite, but I remember, I mean, I was happy to finally get to see Frankenhooker. I haven't watched, I haven't watched that one. <laughs> I haven't so, watched that one, but I know it. Yeah. <laughs> that's a good one. Frankenhooker. And then what was it? Beaver Zombie? It was Zombie Beaver? Was it Zombie Beaver? It was a good one too. one too. What was it? Like right now, I'm actually watching that. It's, I think it's on Amazon. It's more of a, a superhero movie to boys. Oh yeah, the show, the boys. Yeah, yeah. I I never I never watched that before, but I was really surprised. Like I, we decided to watch to check it out, and we were kind of like, it's probably gonna suck because I a lot of the I'm not into a lot of new a lot of the new superhero type movies, but I was like, you know, fuck it, let's just give it a couple episodes just to see. And fuck, it's really fucking good. It's really <laughs> fucking good. So that that kind of blew my mind. I'm I'm only on the first season still, but it was surprisingly fucking good. That I'm trying to think, what else? You been keeping up with Creep Show? I you know I haven't, but I I did watch some. I watched I watched the Christmas special. That's a good one, <laughs> dude. You gotta watch season two, episode one of Creep Show. Just that, that one, and then you'll yeah. and then you'll be done. Just watch the first episode of season. Yeah, two. I I've actually been wanting to wanting to watch that to watch the the new Creep shows, you know, but. But yeah, I just, I just, I just watched a Christmas special with the, um, what was it like? I forgot what all the, the wear, the wear, uh, whatever's. Yeah. Yeah. Where they were. <laughs> it was yeah, like, like a, was it a wear, 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 uh, there was a wear turtle. There turtle, was a, yeah. Where, yeah. <laughs> where, uh, what was the other one? Like a, um, a squirrel or something or it was a, something ridiculous, you know, like it was like a, <laughs> I can't even remember. <laughs> And then they had the Santa Claus. Yeah, that was great. Yeah, the Santa Claus <laughs> just want to, you know, destroy the um, the wearer people or whatever. Yeah, that was <laughs> fucking great. crazy. But um, yeah, that's cool. So what's what's something that you've watched? What's the best thing you've watched since lockdown? You can think oh, of? Oh God, um, have you watched The Wretched? No, that's a great movie. I, I recommend that. That's probably the best horror movie I've seen since the lockdown. The Wretched. Okay, cool. It's an indie movie. You know, it's not it's not cheesy, but it's some indie guys, and they. They took what little budget they had and killed it. Yeah. There's been, I wish I could remember, because there was something, 
something I watched recently that was really, it was kind of low budget, newer low budget was surprisingly really good. And I can't fucking think of it now. We've been watching so many fucking horror movies. That's hard for me to keep track of what the hell. I just go through <laughs> shutter sometimes, you know, just on the list. Yeah. Have but you I watched was the Mortuary one... Collection? No, no, I didn't. That's I mean, I haven't. That's yeah. Um, like anthologies. What, what was it? Uh, there was one other one I wanted to bring up. Oh yeah, I, I finally I never watched Torso. I watched Torso finally uh, uh, during this lockdown. Ah, oh, it's Torso's great. It's a great movie. I, I I was totally I was totally blown away by it. I think it's like a I think it's seventy three or seventy four something like that. It's a great Italian movie. Really awesome. You definitely got to check that out. Yeah, I haven't seen that one. Oh, Torso. You got to see it. It's killer. I definitely will, man. Everyone out there, watch Torso. <laughs> All right, John, I'm going to have to kick you out of here. I don't I, I don't want to keep you in here all night. We'll be in here talking about horror movies for the next few hours. Yeah. Th- thank pleasure, you so man. much. I appreciate the interview. Totally. It's totally killer. Hopefully we'll see each other on the road and maybe share a beer at some venue somewhere. You know? Yeah, th- definitely. <laughs> when when we make it down to, um, you know, Georgia, just um, you come up to me, just remind me who you are, you know, because I... I'm fucking terrible with names, and I see so many people. I sometimes forget who the fuck I'm talking to, but I know I know people. So definitely come up to me, say what's up. You know, remind me who you are. Give me a second for me to pull up into my Rolodex in my brain, and I'll be more than happy to you know hang out. Yeah, we'll chill out a little bit. You know. All right, man. That sounds great to me. You have a great rest of your evening. Cool. Take care. Thank you so much. Bye, man. See ya.